Good morning. If you ask the average person to describe the world that we live in today, they would probably say things like chaotic or upsetting, um, maybe use words like troubling. If we look in the world that we live in today, we see wars that are raging in different parts. We see the war that is continuing to happen in Ukraine, but has kind of left the news cycle because our news cycle switches so fast. We think about the horror that took place in the nation of Israel back on October 7, 2023, and that there are still families to this day that are missing fathers and mothers, grandparents, children. It's heartbreaking. We see the, the loss of life and the devastation that has taken place on both sides since that day. Uh, we look around the world and we see wildfires that were taking place in different parts of the world. Just this past week, we saw Southern California and the, uh, the flooding that took place there. We look at our nation as a whole. It is mind-blowing to me that in November, it looks like I'm going to have the same choice for president that I had four years ago. And we look at the political climate, it just looks even more divisive. We wonder how much more our country can take as we see battle lines drawn with different ethnicities and races. It's, it's troubling. It's upsetting. If we bring it even closer to home, one of the first things that I do when I step into this building and I get the bulletin is I look at this prayer sheet. Because I pray for you often. I pray for the needs of this church. And I look at the amount of people on this list that are dealing with cancer, those that are dealing with, with kidney issues, with heart issues. There's so many that are dealing with, with chronic physical pain on a daily basis. You're reminded of it the second that you open your eyes. Something that's not often put on a list like this publicly are those of you who are dealing with mental and emotional issues. Depression, anxiety, high levels of stress. Stuff that we don't usually talk about publicly. There are many who are dealing with, with social stress, broken relationships, those who are dealing with the loss of loved ones. It's one of the greatest ministries of our church right now. It's a program called Grief Share. For people who are grieving the loss of loved ones. In, in a program that's designed to have 12, we're now over 20 people from our community. People who are unbelievers, who are, are just looking for answers and dealing with the social stress, the loss of a loved one. The point is, is that every one of us is going to deal with difficult circumstances at some point in our lives, and these times can be just debilitating in so many different ways. And in these times of distress, we have a tendency to lose our joy and to be misguided by our circumstances. We lose focus on our mission that Jesus has set us to. And what is truly most important. And I can testify this to myself. Because even in just the past few months, I have dealt with the same issue. So oftentimes we need a reminder. That we need to change our perspective. That we need a reminder of where our joy comes from. Because it is not coming from our circumstances. And it is definitely not coming from us. And today I would like to look in God's word to provide you with that reminder. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture in which Paul is facing very difficult circumstances. In fact, these are life and death circumstances. And in the midst of these struggles, he talks about being able to rejoice. And my hope today is that God is going to speak to us through the power of his word. What I'm not offering you today is a reason 
for the difficult circumstances you're going through. I'm not offering you today a rah-rah, feel-good message that's going to pump you up emotionally so you can ride the wave of that emotion for a little while and then slowly slink back to the place that you were before. Today, what I'm offering you is to open up the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today so that your perspective can be put in the right place. And when you face those challenges, when those hard times come, that your mind is in the right place. If you're here today and your life is perfect and nothing is going wrong, I'm happy for you. really am. But my hope is that you will pay attention as well because I want to let you know that at some point those challenges are going to come. If you're a young person here today and everything is provided for you right now, my hope is that you will listen to the Word of God today to prepare you for the future when things may not be going the way that you would expect, that your perspective could be in the right place. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. I'd like to read verses 12 through 18. Again, that's Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. And I would ask if you would stand with me, please, as we have respect for the Holy Word of God. Paul writes this to the Philippians. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether by false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of your word, the power to change even the hardest hearts. Lord, I ask that you would help us today. Help us to see the circumstances that Paul was going through, see the focus that he had on advancing the gospel message and the many things that that attitude had, that that perspective had, not just on himself, but on those around him. Lord, we ask that you would help us today. Lord, help us to do something very challenging, to look beyond the issues that we are dealing with, and look to the, to the mission that your son Jesus has set us to. The mission of making disciples. Lord, we just ask that you would change our hearts. Speak to us today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated. So in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, Paul is telling the people, the church of Philippi, about the personal circumstances that he's dealing with. He's also explaining about his focus being on advancing the gospel message And keeping focused on this mission helps Paul to maintain the right perspective. It helps him to have joy even in a situation that seems bleak. And the text for today provides four reasons why is it important for us to advance the gospel message in difficult circumstances. And hopefully those will be on the screen behind me as we go through them. And the first important reason is that advancing the gospel in difficult circumstances makes our belief in Christ known to others. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul is writing to express his joy in their partnership with him. He also desires to share some information about his imprisonment. And this includes his joy in facing trials, as we will see from our text today. 
And Paul also addresses disunity that has been occurring in the church. Could you imagine that? Disunity in a church. We don't see any of that today, right? But in order to understand this passage better, we need to know some background information. For example, some of the phrases like in verse 13 where he says, What has happened to me? Or he uses the phrase, In chains for Christ. Paul is currently under house arrest in Rome when he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And from this passage, we gain insights for the reason why he is in prison. That he is in prison because of his faith in Jesus. And he is waiting a trial that could end in a death sentence. In verse 13, Paul says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else, that he is imprisoned because of his faith in Jesus and his desire to share the gospel message with others. And Paul is explaining that his focus on sharing the gospel has made his faith known to others, including to his own enemies. When I was in high school, my parents had a friend whose name was Vicky. And Vicky was diagnosed with kidney cancer, and it was difficult for me as a young man to watch this woman who I'd known to love so much go through the chemotherapy treatments and endure the numerous surgeries. And eventually that cancer spread to, of all places, the jawbone on her body. And the damage to her jaw was permanent. And the treatment that was offered was something I didn't even know was possible, that they were going to remove the fibula bone. That's that outer bone in your lower leg. The bone that when you step down, none of your weight goes on that leg. It's just that bone. It's just a point of attachment for ligaments. They were going to remove that bone from her leg and fashion a new jaw. And it was heartbreaking to watch her go through this. But the surgery was actually a success. And she was able to speak and to eat and to, to try to smile her way through it. And then I watched as a year later that cancer returned to the same spot. And I watched as they removed the fibula from her other leg and repeated the exact same surgery. But one of the things that impacted me the most was how Vicki used these surgeries and these countless doctor appointments to stay focused on advancing the gospel message. She maintained an amazing attitude through horrible circumstances that allowed her to make her faith known to doctors, nurses, therapists, and anyone who came to visit her in the hospital. And when we face difficult circumstances, we have a tendency to lose our focus on advancing the gospel, and it is understandable we put our focus on the situation that we're dealing with. Our time and our energy goes into making sure that everything is right and we're doing everything that we need to do for the issue that is at hand. But it's important to remember that the sharing about Jesus during difficult times makes our faith known to others in a very profound and powerful way. We have the ability to impact people for Jesus better than when things are going well in our lives. And I want to let you know that Paul was no stranger to this. For example, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas heal a young girl who has the ability to predict the future. And she's being peddled by a group of men to make money using her gift. And she's following Paul and Silas and their group around for days talking about them. And finally, this young woman is healed. And what do Paul and Silas get for this healing? They get thrown in prison. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, shares something really profound. 
It says, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And that alone is just mind-blowing for us to imagine in prison, singing hymns of praise to God. But it's that last half that we often forget. It says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And Paul had a clear pattern of making his faith known to others, even in difficult times, and it had a tremendous impact on those around him. So maintaining our focus on advancing the gospel in tough times gives us the ability to impact others in a very profound and powerful way, just as Paul did with his enemies. But the second reason why it's important to advance the gospel in hard times is because advancing the gospel encourages and empowers other believers to speak the word of God with courage. In verse 14 of our text today, Paul uses the phrase, brothers in the Lord. It's a phrase that he uses to mean fellow followers of Jesus. He uses this in other places like Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. And Paul explains that his own response to this situation that he is dealing with has caused fellow Christians to stand firm and to boldly speak the truth about Jesus. And the text even implies to us that speaking the word of God during that time required courage. But due to Paul's own perspective on advancing the gospel, other believers were empowered and encouraged. One of the people that I have respected more than anyone else is this man named Peter Everett. He was my wife's grandfather. I loved and I respected this man greatly. He was an amazing man of faith, and he lived out that faith in front of everyone that he met. He lived a life for Jesus. He had such a big heart for God. He had such a desire to build God's kingdom, and it was devastating. when We got the news that he had developed lung and bladder cancer. This was over 15 years ago. And since I respected this man so much, I wanted to be there for him. I wanted to be there to provide encouragement to be there to, to lift his spirits. I imagined how difficult it was to deal with the effects of the chemotherapy. I watched as his hair fell out. And I wanted to be there to focus on making sure I could be there to meet his needs. But every time I left my, my, my visit with him, I was the one who came away encouraged. It was incredible to see a man who is facing such difficult personal circumstances have such a positive attitude and be focused on what was truly important. I saw a man who was not angry or upset, even though I knew he was in physical pain. He explained to me that his illness allowed him the opportunity to meet all different types of new people. There were so many opportunities to share his faith with doctors and nurses and other patients that were nearby. And rather than focusing on his trials, I heard someone who was focused on sharing his faith in Christ, and I was encouraged. I was empowered to speak the word of God more courageously. So when you are facing difficult circumstances, you have a tremendous opportunity not just to make your faith in Christ known to others, but to empower other believers that are around you. And when we remain focused on advancing the gospel in the tough times, it pushes other believers to develop that same focus and to be more courageous in speaking the truth. And Paul's response in his troubling time and the focus of people like my wife's grandfather help us to examine our own perspective and to speak with, with courage.
It's also important to remember that the choices that we make on a daily basis impact other people. We lose sight of that often. And this can happen even more when we face troubling times. The third reason I want to share with you this morning why it's important to advance the gospel in difficult circumstances is that it brings rejoicing. In verse 18, Paul emphasizes his own personal attitude in his situation. And again, it's important to remember what has taken place, that Paul is under arrest, that he has gone to so many different places and has visited so many different places different parts of the world and planted so many different churches. He has a desire to go and to visit with these different people. But he's stuck where he is. Paul is waiting for a trial that could end in his own execution. He doesn't know what's coming down the road. Paul explains in verses 15 and 17 that not only is this trial coming, but there are individuals right now that are seeking to, as he says, stir up trouble for him. That there are individuals who are preaching the gospel for the wrong reasons. But in the face of these trials, we see an attitude of joy. That although he is facing difficult circumstances, he talks twice at the end of this passage that he is focusing on rejoicing. I talked briefly about the lung and the bladder cancer that my wife's grandfather was facing and about how I tried to encourage him, but in reality, he came back and encouraged me. But something else that was amazing through that entire time was his attitude of joy. There came a time in his treatment process where the, the, the treatment was no longer effective anymore. The cancer had spread to his digestive system. It was basically encircling his stomach lining at that point. And the family got together. There was nothing else that they could do. He was vomiting all the time. He couldn't keep anything down. In order to make him more comfortable, there was a decision to surgically insert something they called a peg tube in his stomach. So basically that anything he would consume, anything that he would eat or drink would be drained out almost Immediately, Some of you have put two and two together here, realizing that from that point on, he was going to slowly die of starvation and dehydration. It was a horrible situation. And I have watched people who have faced circumstances that are much less daunting become angry and bitter. But I watched as Peter Everett never lost his joy, even to the end of his life. And just like Paul, my wife's grandfather remained joyful because his focus was on spreading salvation through Jesus Christ. One of the times I'll never forget is that when the hospice care nurse came to check on him and see how he was doing, before she left, my, grand, my wife's grandfather asked me, he said, would you pray for her? And when we finished praying, she says, I've been doing this for decades, going into people's homes. And this is the first time that we prayed for me before we left. It was the attitude that he had that was amazing. I want to let you know this morning that our joy is not based on our personal circumstances. It does not shift according to the various things that happen day to day. That we can have tremendous joy regardless of what we are facing because God has permitted us to be a part of his amazing work of building his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, what we know as the Great Commission provides us with the focus that we need 
as we have been commanded to go and to make disciples of all nations, it is a joy to think that the creator of the universe would desire us to be a part of his great work. So regardless of what situation you're going through, and I'm not minimizing it in any way, I want to let you know that joy comes from being focused on advancing the gospel. When facing difficult situations, it is easy to get discouraged. And again, I know. We look at our circumstances, they look bleak, and this eventually becomes our focus, and it seeks to steal that joy away. But much like Paul, we have a choice. We have a decision to make of where we can put our focus. We can choose to put our focus on our difficulties, or we can rejoice in the fact that we are able to be a part of God's great work. final portion I want to leave you with today is that advancing the gospel in difficult circumstances help us to maintain the right perspective. From the text, it is clear that, that Paul's perspective was not a focus on his current situation. He doesn't go into great detail about his house arrest. He doesn't go into great detail about his impending trial. He doesn't even provide an explanation of or the names of the people that are stirring up trouble for him because that is not where his focus lies. His focus is on advancing the gospel message and maintaining the right perspective. He understands that sharing the good news of the gospel is more important than his personal situation at the moment. And if we think that Paul is a stranger to physical or emotional pain, we need to go back and read things like 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, or chapter 7, verses 13 through 16, and the issues that he dealt with in his own personal life. Now it's Super Bowl Sunday. We can't leave here without a football reference. I want to let you know on December 7th, 1980, the San Francisco 49ers were playing the New Orleans Saints. At the end of the first half in that game, the Saints were winning 35-7. to Could you imagine the attitude in the 49ers locker room being down by that many points at halftime? That team could have pulled their quarterback, Joe Montana, at the time. They could have pulled him out. They could have run the ball in the second half. They said, let's just get out of here as quickly as we can without any injuries. But what that team did is at halftime, they went, and every single player on that team was reminded of the job that they had in order for that team to be successful. And that team banded together, united with one purpose and one focus, as they went out into the second half, and they absolutely obliterated the Saints in the second half. And did not allow them to score one more point in that game. Winning that game with a final score of 38 to 35. I'm not making a prediction about tonight's game in any way, just so you know. But I want to let you know that oftentimes we feel like a football team that is down by 28 points. And we don't feel like it's worth putting in the effort because things look like they are too far gone. I want to let you know that in the eyes of God, there is no such thing as too far gone. The passage in Philippians 1, 12 through 18 tells us that no matter what situation we face, we still have a mission that we have been called to by our Lord and Savior Jesus. And if we stick to that mission, we are able to rejoice no matter what the earthly outcome may be. And just like those football players, each person in each position having an individual job to carry out, our individual actions have the ability 
to make our faith in Jesus known to others and to empower and encourage other believers in Christ. Our actions in difficult situations can encourage other believers to have the right perspective and jump on board. Just like the 49ers in their comeback victory on that day in 1980, we can be unified as a church and be focused on our mission of sharing the gospel, especially in a time where it is so troubling and people desperately need the truth. I want to let you know that when people come to you, they're going to ask you. I did it this morning. I went up to someone and I asked them how they were dealing with the issues that they were dealing with. It happens all the time. You're going to be faced with questions and what an opportunity you have to share about the goodness of God through Jesus. It is a tailor-made opportunity. Yes, you can talk to them about how your treatment is going. Yes, you can talk to them about the medications and, and the things that are happening. But my hope is that you will have an opportunity and you will take that opportunity to share about the goodness of God. I want to take you back one more time to the story of my wife's grandfather. I want to make sure that you know eventually that he died from that cancer. But in the process... He showed what it was to maintain his focus on what was most important. And here I am, 15 years later, it still impacts me to this day. So by being focused on spreading the gospel rather than your own personal struggles, you have a tremendous power to impact unbelievers and believers in the name of God. I want to let you know that if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to examine your personal life. I want you to examine your own perspective. Are you focused on your current personal situation? Or is the mission of advancing the gospel something that you are committed to carrying out? I want to encourage you to get to work in building God's kingdom by sharing your faith no matter what struggles that are going on. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you haven't made that decision yet, you're thinking about, how does this even apply to me? How am I going to advance something that I'm not even sure about? But maybe you're dealing with something right now. You know, maybe this message isn't 100% for you, but there is a tremendous message that is in there, and that is the gospel message, that there is good news, even though you're in pain. If there is good news, even though you're dealing with a personal struggle, and that is the creator of the universe is beckoning you to him, to come to him, to bring those burdens, to bring that pain, to bring those struggles and lay them at his feet so that you can find peace that you will not find in anything that this world could ever offer. If you want to talk to somebody about that today, if you're dealing with something, you want to know more about this peace, you're struggling, you've been looking for it, I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. I guarantee that there are tons of people here that will be willing to have a conversation with you. Don't leave this place today without talking to someone about that peace that God provides. But my hope is that we can, as a church and as individuals, remain united together in focusing on advancing the gospel message that he has called us to. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much again for the power of your word. Lord, we ask that you would help us to examine our hearts this morning. Lord, first and foremost, I pray for every individual here and the issues that they are dealing with. Lord, I lift up those who are dealing with cancer and are dealing with treatments and, and 
treatments that are just sucking the energy out of them on a regular basis. Lord, I lift them up to you and ask that you would provide healing. Lord, I lift up those who are dealing with mental and emotional issues. We think about depression and anxiety. We think about all these things that, that are often not public, that we keep secret, and we're just struggling with them as individuals. Lord, I think about those, and I pray for those. I lift those up to you that are dealing with social stresses, those who are dealing with the mourning of loss of loved ones, Lord, how their heart is breaking today. And Lord, I ask that you would be the God of all comfort that you say that you are for each of those individuals. But Lord, I also pray for those individuals that you would help them to recognize that even though they are facing something very challenging, something that is not a surprise to you, but Lord, you have continued to keep them on a path, on a mission, that you have given them a message of hope in a world that desperately needs hope right now. And Lord, I ask that you would help them to stay committed to that task, that they will have opportunities to talk to loved ones, to talk to doctors, to talk to nurses. And Lord, I ask that you would help them to have that focus on advancing the gospel message during these difficult times. And Lord, through that, we would be used by you and that we would truly rejoice. We pray these things in your name. Amen.